0: If you want, you know, to get better and to actually go after that objective, it can help you feel satisfied without going over what that objective is supposed to be or doing, you not know, over, but doing something else, which could be overtraining. His focus that day is like downhill sprints. Like, yes, we're gonna be going on a certain distance and parts of that, I wish I could go faster, but if we're focusing on a downhill sprint that day, that there's a technique in there, I'm supposed to get out of this workout. And if I focus that my effort is going to be on learning that technique and getting better at it, I can be more satisfied with that workout in general. It's like the buy-in, the buy-in of I trust my coach has a thing that we need to do in this workout. I'm going to focus on that thing. And then I have satisfaction from that.
1: Hi, I'm Chris Whiteout. Welcome to Living It, the podcast where we join experts in the experience of being human. Be bold. Say yes to adventure. Say yes to living it. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Today, we have Susanna Scaroni, who had one of the greatest performances at the Tokyo Games, went off on her own to go almost world record in the 5K in on the track, which was absolutely spectacular, went off on her own again in the marathon, didn't quite bring that one all the way to the finish, but was in spectacular shape as she approached the the world majors in the fall. And we're going to talk about a little bit of what happened there and how she is prepared for Boston, which is now starting over. So Susanna, welcome.
0: Thank you. It's great to be here.
1: This is awesome. So psyched to see you. I mean, watching you in that 5K, it was, it was a little, it was a little hard for us as the commentators because we get the world feed. Right. So we're watching the world feed and you made your move and they panned to like to like the field event as you made your move. Yeah. And then they came back in this wide and it's like, OK, somebody's gone off the front, but we can't figure out who's gone off the front. And then it was you and you just you kept going. What you went from, like, what was it? lap Was it lap seven that you went on? Um,
0: I think it was five because I think there were seven laps um that I had to go around by myself (laughs) yeah it's funny you say that it was like that for me too I um was as an athlete it's nice at the games because you have the jumbo screen to look and see where everyone else is and I was looking because I didn't that wasn't like a move I genuinely pulled over to let the next person go and they weren't there and I looked at the jumbo screen and all I saw was the field throwers too so I was like I didn't know I was making a gap from them because the field thrower was on the Jumbotron. <laughs> um, and then when I tried to pull out into lane two to let the next person pull their lap, they were like a hundred meters back. So I was like, oh no, I was trying to decide, do I wait? And then I was like, I don't wanna wait. I'm just gonna go like not crazy hard. Cause I, when they caught me, I didn't wanna be dead. So I was just trying to be steady until they caught up with me again. Um, and I was honestly pretty embarrassed um, that that happened because I was like, nobody goes out with seven laps to go. I'm just, I'm gonna wait till they catch me. Um, but then when there were like two laps left, I was like, okay, I think I need to try and hold this now. Um, and my biggest regret is yeah, that one second away from the world record. If I, I, I it's also somewhat nice knowing that I could have made that pace, um, just knowing how I was feeling to be conservative it's nice knowing I think I could have done it, which is cool, but, um, that would have been really nice.
1: (laughs) This is part of your mentality, isn't it? As a racer, like the purity of going out and just going as opposed to the tactical part of, and some people love the tactical part of like, oh, we get in the pack and then, then I can move my way out of the pack and sprint for the finish. And, but you're the other way around, aren't you?
0: Yes. And it's so funny. Like when I, Talk to you later that day. It was just so funny to me because I had been on a podcast with you last summer talking about how much I was dreading doing what I know I needed to do going into the race and being tact- tactful, tactical. And then to have accidentally not had to do that anymore and that it worked out, it was just like the biggest miracle in the world. And I just, that's what I love about that race. It's not necessarily the gold it's that how I got to play to my not only my strength but my like joy of racing
1: <laughs> you need some joy in your racing though too don't you I mean it can yeah. seem like drudgery early morning workouts late evening workouts you know two a days three a days whatever it is it can seem like drudgery but do you really do you really enjoy that training process
0: I genuinely enjoy the training process. I would say I enjoy training more than I enjoy racing. Um, and it's because of that. It's your focus really is on what your intensity is gonna, is supposed to be that day. Like what my coach tells me my intensity is. I get to really think about that intensity and then I get to think about, okay, how do I become more efficient, efficient and effective at that intensity? Um, and I enjoy that piece a lot. And it's so individual it doesn't matter what the other person's 75% is. It's like what my, mine is and then how I can make that better. Um, and when you get to do that in a race, it just like, it doesn't happen very often. And I am so happy that I got to enjoy that. Um, and I truly cherish it. And it opened my eyes to think about how, you know, maybe there are other possibilities in a race scenario Especially like um, a long distance race, that it doesn't have to be tactical. Maybe there are times where if you know your strength, you can just focus on your strength. Um, and that was what was shocking to me about that race is I didn't think that was something that was possible. I thought you needed to play by the rules, which are tactical race and come out at the very end ahead the first in the front. Um, and now I just have a little more. Um, openness to maybe thinking there are other options
1: that is really interesting just in in terms of life though right because you're talking about training versus racing and so much of it in training can be this self-conscious kind of thought of you're on the track and then there's somebody else there and you're like is she faster than I am am I faster than she is she looks like she's enjoying this and I'm dying right now what does that mean so we have this self-conscious part but it seems like and then that happens in life as well right where we're always looking around like oh that person seems like they have it all figured out and i have no idea what i'm doing these kinds of things how do you, how have you found this position of not necessarily being in that self-conscious position but being in a position where you're you're within yourself and you know who you are and how does that work how do you get there
0: That's such a great way to say it. it's very empowering to have that experience that hey what I'm what I'm experienced with which as we talked about last summer is I really like the individual aspect of training where I'm like feeling it I'm feeling what it feels like to push at this intensity and then from there, I'm like, Okay, how can I make that feel smoother. All these different biomechanical things I can do in that intensity. I love that part. and so, I think the empowerment part is what you do love. Um, you can apply that to challenges. You can apply that all over your life, you know, um, finding out who you are and then applying that to wherever you're at. Worked in that 5K, and it can probably work in multiple other areas um, for each of us. And if, you know, I think it's it's worth highlighting that piece that, yeah, there isn't always a rule, um, that life's much more complex and we all have different interests and different passions. Um, and they can work, you know, in multiple realms, I guess.
1: But some of that's trusting yourself too, right. That, I mean, obviously you have a coach, but, but there's a lot Of internal stuff where you're trusting yourself, you're trusting, okay, yes, I know where I am, I know what I need to do, I'm kind of processing the information that's coming into me, and I understand what I'm, you know, how how I'm trying to maximize my output. That trust can be really hard though, can it?
0: That's a great point. And I think I've learned this in multiple areas from grad school to realtor racing that confidence um, and trust come from experience. So I know that I have an amazing, brilliant coach giving me workouts. And then I, if I am actually tuned into those workouts, then I can learn from my body, um, building that confidence, which then makes it so I can trust what I know I can do. Um, and I, so I think you have to have the effort part. You have to go through the work, um, Pay attention, not just do the distance. Like you can't just do the route our coach assigns us. You need to actually think about what you're doing um, to learn how to do it. And then after that, you have so much more confidence, which then can lead to trust. Um, and that's empowering. And I think what I learned when I was in grad school, I had to learn from wheelchair racing. I remember thinking about this, that I needed to do the actual workouts on the things that were challenging to me, like literature reviews and things like that. I had to do them in order to have some more confidence and trust and then I would enjoy them. But at first it was scary and hard and stressful. And I told myself I just had to do them. And I think that's probably applies to everyone.
1: Does that help you avoid those pitfalls? I mean, sometimes it's really easy to be overtrained where, where you, you train and you train and you train, you know, which is probably in some ways coming from a position of insecurity, right. That I'm, I'm trying to train more and more. And then you just dig that hole that then takes forever to get out of just because you're just so fatigued and you don't recover. Are you able to kind of avoid that hole by having this really, by having a really personal involvement in your training and, and being in control?
0: Absolutely. I think when you, when you approach a workout, understanding what the objective is, and that I've had multiple conversations with my coach, Adam, about the objectives of the workout. And so at this point he can kind of write a workout and I, I know what that objective is. Cause we talked about it before. Um, if you want, you know, to get better and to actually go after that objective, it can help you feel satisfied without going over what that objective is supposed to be, or doing, you know, over, but doing more, something else which could be overtraining. So when you're his focus that day is like downhill sprints like yes we're going to be going on a certain distance and parts of that I wish I could go faster but if we're focusing on a downhill sprint that day that there's a technique in there I'm supposed to get out of this workout and if I focus that my effort is going to be on learning that technique and getting better at it I can be more satisfied with that workout in general it's not like I'm um needing to overtrain or, um, needing to do more because it's like the buy-in, the buy-in of I trust my coach has a thing that we need to do in this workout. I'm going to focus on that thing. And then I have satisfaction from that. Um,
1: And if you feel successful coming out of your workout, which sometimes can be the challenge, right? I mean, oftentimes it's so easy to come out of your workout going, oh, I should have done this better and I should have done that better. But if you're coming out of it satisfied, then that's building that confidence and probably that enthusiasm for the next workout, because you feel like you've been successful. And then you go Mm -hmm. into the next one, you're like, oh, I want to do the next one because then I should be successful in the next one. And you keep building.
0: Yeah. And sometimes the success, like I'm glad you said that, the success is um, finding out what works and what doesn't work. And so I'm not the best sprinter and off a of start line, as we saw in Tokyo, like in the 800 meter. Um, so we do a lot of standing start sprints here, and I don't feel like I, you know, I'm much faster than I was then. But I realize that I'm practicing it, and I'm getting more experience when we do 30 sets of them and workout, and just by, you know, going through them and thinking about each one, that's what I needed to do that day. I didn't need to be like faster on each one of them. I needed to like pay attention to what I was doing.
1: Be in the process. So coming out of Tokyo, which is funny for you, right? Because really, if you had your druthers, you would be, you would be a marathoner, like open it up. Let's go as, let's go long. And but yet the track is all this tactical stuff that, that is, that is more of a challenge. So you came out of Tokyo Having won the 5K, I mean, just with this amazing finish, put in probably one of the more spectacular uh, performances in in the marathon as well. I mean, it didn't work out the way that you might have hoped it would, but but still an amazing performance in the marathon. And then you were coming into the marathon season. You had last year was weird, right? Because they had all five of the major marathons in the fall, just back to back. I mean, even Boston and Chicago were Sunday and Monday. So 24 hours, or maybe not even 24 hours. Between yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
1: and, but that was for you, like, this sounds like a perfect case scenario. What were you yeah. thinking approaching, approaching the marathons last year?
0: Well, I had a lot more information after Tokyo. Um, and what I was thinking was number one, I was like, I need to get better at the rain. (laughs) Um, so honestly, I had, um, that week I had recoded my hand rings with this different material. We had gotten the sandpaper to put on the gloves. Um, and Adam and I were focused on getting more experience in the rain. um, because yeah, I knew in Tokyo I was strong compared to the rest of the world. Um, and I just knew I was weak in the rain and I needed to fix, fix that for the marathon season. Um, so that was my goal as I, I was like, well, I felt confident that I had the tools to do well on dry day in any of those courses. Um, and then if it happens to be rain, I wanted to spend some time in those, uh, those weeks um, getting more familiar with, the, with some rain options.
1: So, you had that, and then you're approaching the marathons. I mean, so, so what Berlin was the first one, 27th of September, is that what it was? Yeah. And what happened?
0: Um, so yeah, we got back from Tokyo, we had a week off, um, in our training and to reset. So, then the next week, I had you know put all the stuff on my chair the, the week we had off to get ready for rain, and so I'd this was the Thursday of that week. I've just kind of working on things. Um, And I was out on a 12 mile training run and I was on a four lane road and it was, there was nobody really out. And then um, I was four miles in and the next thing I knew I was traveling forwards very quickly. And immediately my thought was like, this is not going to go well because I could tell how fast I was moving. Um, And I, the next thing I know, from my memory is I was on the ground, my racing chair was over here and I saw a gentleman walking towards me uh, from a parked car. Um, so I got hit from behind on a road that's 45 miles per hour um, and ended up getting a burst fracture of my T8 vertebrae. Um, it lost 75% of its height. So now I went from a square to being a triangle and I was in the hospital for like now. four days, yes. I know and no spinal cord it. injury.
1: I mean, it d- didn't affect
0: it. Doesn't seem like it. Um, there were some MRI where it it was a burst, so it did kind of cross that line to the, like the spinal column area, but I haven't had um any tingling or anything. And so I've had a lot of follow ups with the spinal um and brain institute, and um so far seemed to be um not having any spinal cord injury. Type symptoms
1: and so you were getting ready for like like this is this is almost like a lifetime of work to, for like this moment like this was supposed to be your moment and then you got hit by a car and then <laughs> then what happened
0: yeah then it was just really crazy timing to know how positioned i was for these races um but then I was, um, you know, also faced with the fact that I was alive, and I was grateful for that. And I, um, they, they said I needed to be in a back brace for four months, and I wore it twenty four seven. And so, because of that, was not, and I, so one in a back brace, you're not going to be in a racing chair, really. Um, in addition to that, the angle of being forwards was something they needed me to avoid um and so there was like a lot of questions about like what the future would be um knowing like I I knew I had had a bunch of potential and then I was like well is that all gone forever now um I didn't really know um I was I was so grateful that I was alive though um that I was pretty able to psychologically focus on getting recovered um and I have to say it made it easier. I think it made it easier that it was after Tokyo. And like, I knew I had done something that wasn't even going, I couldn't have ever guessed I would have gotten a gold medal. And so to have gotten it, I was like, you know, I have a lot to be thankful for, the most to be thankful for. And I'm in a unique position that I I got a gold medal two weeks ago um, and I now have my life and I can just focus on recovering. And that made it a lot easier to bear. Um, that being said, I would be lying if I wasn't extremely curious about what would have happened in the marathon season, um, that fall. But so anyways, four months in a back brace, um, wasn't allowed to lift more than like five pounds for the first six weeks. So, um, then after that, we went up to like 20 pounds. We gradually got to there. So I also, in the back of my mind, like, I am not working out for this long either. So I have a new back position. I have not really exercised with any force or intensity, Um, but all of that combined, I had my life and I had gotten the experience of Tokyo and I was really able to kind of psychologically be okay with everything Um, and just focus on the back recovery. And um, then January third, uh, my spine surgeon had said I could take the back brace off, and then he's like, "Use common sense." After that, um, my scoliosis got worse. After which, brace off. Um, so I, you know, I it's like I knew I had lost muscle mass, but then I also like had more muscle mass needs to keep my back upright. Um, So I was just, it's in some ways was kind of nice. I was like, well, I have this like new goal that I would like to just be able to keep my back kind of up in my racing chair um, while I'm training. I don't necessarily have to get to the speeds I used to be at or the amount of time. But if I can just be in that position without my back getting fatigued in like 10 minutes, that's a cool new goal. (laughs) So I made small chunks of goals throughout the last, few months since January.
1: This is like being successful in your workout again. Same kind of thing.
0: Yes, exactly. It's 100% that. Um, and when you can compare that to like knowing you're alive and, um, things like that, then those successes are really like, just like icing on the cake.
1: I heard some stories as well about you lying on the ground to be able to do the UBE, like the arm crank. Yeah. Yeah. These are true.
0: Yes. So that's what we ended up doing since I wasn't to play forwards. Um, Adam, my coach, um, decided like we have a UBE, which is kind of like um, an arm ergometer, an arm crank ergometer, but normally you sit upright in front of it like this. Um, so like a stationary so
1: like, bike that you pedal with your arms, right? Okay. Yes.
0: And it's not the kind that you lay on your back. It's just like a chair. Um, and then he took the chair out and put a bench underneath it. So I was able to lay flat on my back and I could still reach the um, arm cranks. And so when it was like okay to do so, um, so like about six weeks maybe after the injury, um, I started doing that starting at like 20 minutes and then we got up to like 60 minutes so I was just going subtly on that um, every morning um, it made me really really thankful for wheelchair racing because I couldn't see the time I couldn't see my speed or anything or what so I was like just there listening to podcasts at the end I started watching movies because I was like struggling going stir crazy effort. yeah it's really nice to be able to break up a workout with different intensities, but we were just keeping it like steady pace. Um, that was hard.
1: <laughs> but talking to Adam, he said that then you got on your, on your roller and he said that the data from your roller is actually, is actually pretty good. Do you agree yeah, with that?
0: I would definitely agree with that. Um, it took a while. I mean, it took a, a little while, like maybe a month before I was able to start pushing, up to like where we were doing max speed attempts and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, about a month afterwards, I started seeing some very like surprising uh, speeds on the roller. Um, and some of our performance trials that we do throughout the winter were like surprisingly really much faster, like not much, but like they were quite a bit faster than last year, which is really surprising. Um, and like, Another huge thing that happened was I have a new racing chair now because my other one got hit by a car. (laughs) So I've been in a new chair position um, that's been throwing a wrench into things. But at the same time, my speeds have not been impacted too badly. Um, So it's just a lot of things at once. Um, And now's kind of a fine time to do that because I like I said, my goals right now are daily goals kind of things. Um, and so, but in the background, you know, I, things are going much better than I anticipated.
1: How does your back feel?
0: Um, it's back and forth. Like Monday of last week, I would say my upper back, I heard a lot of pain at practice, um, but by and large, like it gets tired sooner um than it used to but um I don't have like a ton of back pain during the days I just sometimes have pain in my upper spine um so it's I there were times in January and February I would put the back brace back on because it was hurting during the day but um it's not too bad
1: did you have to have surgery or not
0: no I did not need to have surgery
1: okay So that's good, but it takes a while for bone to heal. I mean, it really, it takes three months, but then in some ways it almost is like a full year before you kind of feel back to normal. And sometimes it's just that like dull ache.
0: Yes, yes, I have the dull ache. Um, And in the mornings, a lot of time is when I feel that when I wake up and then depending on the workout. And like I said, the new chair position I'm in, I'm a little flatter, which then puts even more need demand to like use your back muscles, bring back up. Um, And so, and I've lost some back muscles by being braced for four months and I have a new back kind of spine position that's keeping me down a little bit more because it's now a triangle. So um, uh, it's not perfect, but it's so much better than I thought it would be.
1: So now you're approaching Boston. Boston will be the first time that you're racing since since the accident, right? Is that true?
0: Yeah, yeah. And probably the first time we'll go farther than like 17 miles. <laughs> so Maybe, what are you hopefully.
1: what are you thinking? What's do you have any expectations? How how can you approach this just mentally?
0: Mentally, it's nice because I am going to do what I always do, which is see what I can do that day. Um, and I have a lot of like curiosity about what that's going to be. So that kind of piques my interest. It's more of like an interest than it is like a stressor, which is good. It's just really nice.
1: Um, no, it's kind of an interesting position to be in it, right? Like, yeah. oh, I wonder how good I am, you know, and so- <laughs>
0: I know. And I haven't, like I said, we haven't gone more than 17 miles. Um, and we've only been outside for maybe the last few weeks. Um, and I'm in a new chair. So I just, yeah, I'm as interested as you are, (laughs) but I'm going to try to really enjoy it. I love Boston anyways. And, um, I am excited to be back on the line with other people. I think I just have an appreciation for that more. Like I thought, like you like I, you know, I love training, but now I think I have a, at least an early new love of like getting to go to a race and be with people on the start line because it's been so long now.
1: Well, it's almost like you've had a forced isolation in some ways with yeah. the recovery and then doing a different kind of training And it's almost like, you know, I mean, we, we, we sort of emerged, I mean, mostly emerged from COVID and then, and then this for you is like, you sort of emerged from COVID, then you, then you sort of emerged from your recovery and now it's like, oh, okay, I'm allowed to be outside. I'm allowed to go fast. Like this should be, this should be fun. Are, are you are you looking at any of the other competitors i mean obviously like tatiana is somebody that you competed with and trained with for a long time manuela has been super uh, super successful uh looking at madison who who had some great races both in the paralympic uh, marathon and then also in new york last year yeah
0: no kidding yeah um I agree with you completely. And my teammate Ian's pushing so well too. Uh, she did great in the New York half. Um, I am, I think it's gonna be a good race. I think we have a great field, like probably the best field you could ask for. Um, and I, I will be happy with whoever wins, I think is what I would say. Like they are great. I have so much respect for all of them and I'm gonna try my best. Um, and I know that they will be too
1: the men's race oftentimes is like right from the gun and, and taking advantage of those downhills. The women's race has had a little bit more of a pack traditionally. Is that sort of what you expect? Because, because obviously, I mean, you climb well too, which is, which is something that you get to the second, you know, what three quarters of the way into the race, and then you get to demonstrate that you can actually climb.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. But the last like five years um manuela has dominated us at the, from the start on the downhill right. and i fully expect her to do that she knows her strengths are coasting um or she has a lot of strengths but that's one of them right. um and she makes sure she makes uh, takes advantage of that so i guess honestly um if i were viewing the race externally i would say like i'm really interested in how madison is going to respond to that because i don't race at boston as often with madison um and so for me, I would say like, I wanna try to stay with Manuel. I wanna like also maximize the downhill. Um, that's always a struggle for me. I get dropped there, but I um, I think the nice part is if that separation does happen, um, there would be a strong pack to be together in that race for like second and third
1: to work um, together right yeah and and yeah. try to reel those people in up front whoever it is and because madison in in tokyo showed showed some great speed both on the track and yeah. in the marathon yeah. so Absolutely. it's kind of interesting just kind of playing all of these elements and especially for you where you don't necessarily you know what your strengths have been traditionally
0: yeah, exactly. that's the but right question.
1: now you're like, are those still my strengths? Are they not my strengths? Do I have different strengths now?
0: Yes, that is a great way to say it.
1: Um, so well, it's, it's going nice. to be, it's gonna I, be I interesting have and anything,
0: exciting. Yeah, I don't have anything to hide from them. They, might, they're, they should be interested in what I'm going to do because I'm interested in what I'm going to do as well. <laughs> and nobody knows. <laughs>
1: That is great. It's great to be the wild card, right? Because nobody can really plan for you.
0: Exactly. I know. It's great. I really actually kind of enjoying that part. Um,
1: Well, it looks like it seems like you're, you're in such a great, it seems like you're in a great mental state. I mean, it sounds like you're doing really well physically as well. And obviously, there are a lot of questions to be answered, but it seems like you're in a really good position, good and healthy position.
0: Yes. I am rest. so thankful for that. I, I've had some weird, like I said, I know I keep saying like, oh, new chair position. I, I know that's caught, that's changed some things. Like I've had some forearm issue and like a little bit of upper back pain type things, but I, those are somewhat managed, I think. Um, and yeah, so I can't really complain about having had a back injury, major back injury, <laughs> uh, too much, I guess.
1: It, it's still significant. I mean, it's, it's something that yeah. most definitely happened, but, but it sounds like you're going in that position where, you know, some of these are the, the aches and pains of starting over too.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, the uh, forearm
1: stuff, the, I mean, like I've actually been in my racer a little bit recently and I'm like, Oh my, my wrist really hurt right now. And it's like, yes, yeah, because you yes. haven't done this in a long yeah. time. So
0: I really think that that's a big part of it.
1: What happens between now and Boston for you?
0: Um, let's see. I'm leaving um next Thursday, so until then, um, I again have some rain stuff to work on. Um, and because that got pushed onto like the way back burner right now, I have bigger things to think about. Tell um,
1: people, tell people about the rain part. Why is rain such an issue in a racing chair?
0: Rain is such an issue because we have rubber. Um, coated hand rings. That's what we actually apply contact to. And then we have gloves that are also made of rubber or co- coated with rubber. Um, and if you add water into that, it's just like, can be like slipping on ice. You may not get any friction or you might get some, um, kind of depends on like how broken in that rubber is or who knows what that means that day. Sometimes I've had fine friction with rain and sometimes I have not had any, um, Sometimes but it's
1: baking grease. It's just like the whole thing feels exactly. like it's covered with baking grease. Yes.
0: Exactly. It's like running cut on the ice. inside
1: of your elbows and yeah.
0: Yes. Um and so doing whatever you can in your power to increase your belly and generate friction um when you have water entered into the mixture is very important in this sport.
1: So you are going now to the sandpaper route where you put sandpaper on your gloves.
0: I haven't yet, but I think that's what I will start.
1: <laughs> which, which is really interesting one because, because the sandpaper effectively, it creates this rough surface on your gloves against the rubber, which, which hooks up, but then it also, you work through your push rings that much yeah. more quickly as well. Cause you're, you're pretty much just wearing them down. Right. Yes.
0: Yes you are like you were to sand a piece of wood for 26 miles you're gonna like sand into the wood um and And so
1: toothpick yes
0: yes exactly yeah so um it's not ideal for sure um but then what i used in tokyo was a sticky substance and that at the end of the marathon in tokyo became really tacky and it was hard to get my hands off of the handring at the end um which is really bad when you're climbing and you're already on the handring for extra time so um there's pros and cons to all of them ideally we just don't get any rain <laughs> we just get a tailwind to boston um yeah, and if that you can sign up for a <laughs> tailwind for to
1: boston you would do it every year that would it changes the race yeah immensely.
0: it's so it's really fun at that point
1: <laughs> exactly well, Susanna, thank you so much for for joining us for telling us. I mean, this is such a cool journey that you're on. I mean, in some ways it seems like like the the car accident was was a part of your journey. It wasn't something that interrupted your journey. It just kind of diverted your journey and you're back and and looking forward to seeing what happens in Boston. But this is yes. this is really cool. Thank you for sharing your your insight into how a racer prepares performs and stays healthy along the way
0: yeah I appreciate it thanks for asking me Uh, I'm looking forward to it and I'm I'm in a cool spot because I'm interested as you are
1: (laughs) I think that's going to be fun that's going to be super fun to see how it all works out and you generally race better when you're happy
0: yes exactly yes um yeah people can take that away from our talk like be happy what you do kind of notice what you do and then figure out how you can apply those things to other areas <laughs> uh right. it, cannot, it can work out it can work out
1: will the will the nerves come as you as you get to the starting line
0: um Probably. I, yeah i think so because with not knowing what you can do and how you can do comes that it like has shaken my confidence i guess maybe a little bit and that trust like we talked about where it's like okay i don't know what to do with mile 24 now because i haven't been in that position and seen what i can do um so there is going to be some i think a little bit of nerves wondering what to do some places but at the end of the day i'm not like oh it'll be successful if i do something and learn from it and that will be that'll be able to overcome like a fear kind of nerves. I think it'll be more of like, well, maybe I could choose the right thing to do. It's like, I'll probably think about that a little bit more that day.
1: (laughs) This isn't the be all end all for racing. You will, there will be more races that will follow.
0: Yes. So that's, what's really nice.
1: That is awesome. Well, thank you so much. Best of luck. I look forward to seeing you in Boston, watching you race and, you know, we're crossing our fingers hoping for the best.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate it
1: this will be great thank you to all of you for tuning in we really appreciate it we hope you enjoyed it if you did enjoy it please tell your friends please like us please follow us and we'll look forward to the next time we'll have another great uh, story to tell so thank you very much thank you for joining us please subscribe to chris wideo living it for more stories on the adaptive community the paralympics artists athletes entrepreneurs experts in the experience of being human Also follow us on Spotify, Apple, Facebook, and Instagram. I look forward to seeing you next week.